You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, I'm Nick Fairway, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now, work at WPTS Radio Station, and I am a production assistant at ACC Network. Folks, we're going to talk about the fallout from the Duke victory. What were the good things we saw, especially defensively? What were the bad things we saw? And a growing trend for Pitt, both in the first half and the second half, might tell how the rest of the season might go. All that coming up on Locked on Pitt. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Pit obviously getting that 54-29 win over Duke and Durham. An expected win for Pitt. Everyone kind of expected it. And I think coming out of it, you felt bad about the first quarter. You felt good about the rest of the game. And this is kind of where I want to start uh, for the day. Because man, there are going to be thoughts over the next two days. We'll talk about on here. We will talk about kind of what Pitt did and, and what is going to go forward. And obviously the big UNC game on Thursday for Pitt, it's going to be their biggest game of the year, to be quite honest with you, up until Virginia. The, the next three games are must-wins. As you know, you know, Virginia Tech is probably not going to beat Virginia. Miami looks like they might win out. Florida State's going to be a big test for them on Saturday. You hope that they can lose that game. But this is looking like more and more a must-win-out scenario for Pitt. they got to go 10-2. That's kind of what it's looking like. And this game against UNC is a huge one. But what can we take from the last few games? Specifically, I want to go back through Virginia Tech, sometimes even up through Georgia Tech, and even earlier than that at times, and kind of show you guys what this team is, what we can expect out of them. What is the point of Pitt this year? What, In other words, what are the trends for Pitt? I'll say this. I think this one is, is pretty interesting to me because this team in many years past has been a team that is slow in the second half. They don't really catch up until later um, in the game this year is what it seems because they're actually a slow team this year. They start slow. It, it's very interesting. They don't start just slow on one side of the ball either. They start slow on both sides of the ball. And you kind of usually see this with Pitt against those explosive teams with offenses. They started slow against Duke. You know, that first quarter was ugly for Pitt. It really was. The offense had a turnover. They had a safety. The defense was getting killed up and down the field. They held tall, which was big enough. But against Miami, they allowed 21 points. And I think they they allowed more, more yards in the first quarter against Duke. They did the rest of the game. Against Miami, it was close. It was 237 against Miami, and I think the rest of the game, it was 210. So, Pitt is a team that starts really slow on both sides of the ball. And offensively, they, it seems to get, you know, against Clemson, they needed time to get humming. They were down 7 nothing, and, and that game looked bad early on. And Virginia Tech, they couldn't pull away early. It was 7 nothing, and then they started to really eventually pull away in that game. 
Same thing happened here at Duke. It was a it was a fight, a fight until around halftime when Pitt started to finally get drives. The defense started to clamp down, and overall, Pitt really started to become a team where you're like, okay, this is kind of what I expected Pitt to be. And that's the thing. Pitt has started slow in a lot of their games. For Tennessee reminds you, right? They started slow against Tennessee. They started slow against Western Michigan, right? That game was 21-7, to and Pitt had turned the ball over two times. And that was the, the difference maker in that game. They start slow. This team, it's officially a thing. They've started slow against Tennessee. They started slow against Western Michigan. They started slow against Virginia Tech. They started slow against Clemson. They started slow against Miami. And now they started slow against Duke. Why should I not expect them to come out Thursday and start slow again? That's the thing. That's a huge trend. And Pitt cannot afford that coming forward against Brennan Armstrong, against Sam Howe, and frankly, against Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. You just cannot avoid, you, you can't afford that against explosive offenses. Now, Kenny Pickett in the offense can obviously dig you out of holes. They did it against Tennessee. They weren't able to do it against Western Michigan. They weren't able to do it against Miami. They were able to do it against Duke. They were able to do it. Uh, they, they didn't have to climb out a hole against Virginia Tech, but they were able to, to put more points on, put that game out of reach, and they were able to climb out of the hole against Clemson. So, Pitt is a team that now they have to back up their slow starts with strong second halves. And the defense has done a really nice job of this. And this is the second point. After the first quarter of these games, specifically the last two games, Pitt's defense has been really good. Really good. Better than you would think. And that's the thing. A tale of two halves for this team. Really a tale of one quarter and three quarters. Because the offense in the second quarter, wildly productive. Absurdly productive. They struggle a little bit in the second half, but a lot of those, you know, you don't want to look at points in the second half. A lot of those are because Pitt has run the football out. But they're definitely less productive. You know, in the second quarter is their bread and butter. It seems they score a lot in the second quarter. And then coming out of halftime, they're good for a touchdown or two in the second half. Maybe they won't score as much in the second half, though. The defense, on the other hand, is really solid in the second half. And essentially, after... The half, after halftime in the last four games, it goes 7 against Virginia Tech, 10 against Clemson, 7 against Miami, 10 against Duke. And if you bump that up to the second quarter, it's not that much different. That's the thing. They are making adjustments. They are getting in there. They are getting better as the game goes on. But sometimes those first quarter starts are too much to bury yourself out of. And... Pitt has to do a better job of coming out and playing well, keeping that energy that they have throughout the second quarter and onwards, but not starting slow. And what those slow starts can be attributed to, to coaching. I don't know what it's all about. Why do they start slow but play better as the game goes on? It's a trend this entire year. Tennessee, they came back. Western Michigan, they played a lot better. The defense didn't play better that game. But they certainly did offensively. The defense hasn't had really a bad second half except for Tennessee and Western Michigan. And those are so long ago that you now have to follow the breadcrumbs and the trends and say, Pitt's good in the second half defensively. It's the first quarter when they allow the explosive plays, they allow easy drives, and it feels like they need time to settle into the physicality of the football game. So they can't afford that 
against North Carolina. But those were very interesting trends, and I think we can officially say that these are parts of the team. Slow starts, strong second quarter onwards. Sometimes, though, the slow starts get them, and they lose games because of their slow starts in that facet. All right, folks, let's go on to the defense. How did the defense play overall? What are the good? What are the bad from the defense? Let's talk about that the rest of this episode. However, folks... First, I want to let you guys know about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. They offer all the college football props in the world, from those that you might not even know from the group of five, mid majors, whatever you want. They offer those props as well as star players like Kenny Pickett. So if you want to throw down a, an entry or a prop on you, his yardage, his touchdowns, even interception start, I wouldn't put one down on that. But if you want to, you can throw a prop down. On that, so folks, you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 as long as you use our promo code lockdown. Again, that's our promo code lockdown. You get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. All you have to do is pick two to five players and over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus those projected numbers, and they allow those mixed sport entries as well if you so wish. To do that. So, folks, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use our promo code locked on. And again, you will receive an instant deposit match up to $100 and go to the app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. going on folks welcome back to the locked on pit podcast as always thank you for making the locked on pit podcast your first listen every day folks let's talk about this defense the effort that they put out on saturday a little bit disappointing also though at times a little bit encouraging on a few fronts because i think what we saw on saturday was the start of the game really bad just casual stuff it wasn't even like missed tackles or overall bad, you know, just tackling. There was some of that, but not really. A lot of it just seemed to be tentativeness, ease of play for Duke. The running game, Mateo Durant really started to go off in the first quarter. Gunnar Holmberg diced him up on the outside, which we hadn't seen. Jake Bobo was going off. They, had, they beat P.J. O'Brien on a double move. It was ugly. It was really ugly. And, and then, of course, they allowed the kick return touchdown. It got ugly for Pitt. It really got ugly for Pitt. I'll tell you what. I think Pitt's defense. There were a things that I didn't like. And it was, one, the tentativeness again. We kind of saw that against Miami, too. The corners on the outside not playing as aggressive as they usually should. And you kind of saw this come back with MJ Devonshire, who got the pick and got called for holding when it wasn't holding, or the, the weird, you know, DPI call on Damari Mathis. It's like they don't fully get engaged there. It's a little weird. I think the linebackers were pretty bad there, too. I mean, the, the strength of the entire unit was, let's go and let's get after it, and the linebackers didn't seem to do that. They seemed to be frozen in mud. Sarasia Dennis didn't seem comfortable at Mike, and he played a lot of Mike this week. Chase Pond didn't seem comfortable. Patrician and Bright didn't seem comfortable at first. And we'll talk about that. I mean, listen, 
those guys played their tails off as it went down the stretch and evolved. Even Phil Campbell didn't play well. And the D-line was getting blown off the football. That was the most surprising thing. The D-line was getting dominated up front. Keyshawn Camp got injured. And after that, it didn't seem good. The secondary didn't actually do a terrible job of wrapping up after that. They hit a few RPOs over the middle of the field against Hallett. A lot of it just was stuff that you were like, what in the world? They were trying to not do this stuff. They, they were supposed to stop this. Listen, Pitt did a lot of Pitt things in that first quarter that we've seen them do this year. Missing tackles, missing their keys, especially the linebackers, just on those RPOs. The first thing you have to do on the RPOs in the Marduzzi scheme is just fly downhill. The issue is they're still scarred from the Western Michigan game, and they're taught to sling those fits. They're taught to make sure to, to read that and try to get in the lane. They do that later in the game. Phil Campbell missed an interception on one, actually, where he did a great job reading that play and nearly picking it off, and he wishes he had it. But this is the thing about Pitt, and there are, the RPO is so dangerous for this defense because I understand what the idea essentially is from Pat Narduzzi. If you play single high, for example, you're essentially down one guy. Because that guy has to drop back, and he's not coming up to play that RPO. He's, so against the run, is what I mean. Against the run, you're you're less than one fit. Against cover two, obviously you're down a few guys. Cover two, is it, the first instinct is to go into palms. So you're down two guys in that scenario. Your run fits are harder. I get it. I get it. You want to stop the run first. But, 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 here's the thing about quarters. When you do, when you go into quarters and you play man quarters only, that means you put your safeties in man, you put your corners in man, you also put your stress on the linebackers. So the, the idea is let the linebackers play downfield and play aggressively, but they can't because they also have to worry. The guy behind them has no help, and he's playing outside leverage. He's always playing outside leverage. That's the thing. The Narduzzi scheme coaches them to play outside leverage, and so what you have to do at that point if you're a linebacker is you are the help. If you are not there, that touchdown is on you. You have to be there. So the linebackers aren't coming downhill and playing as aggressive. They're kind of stuck in mud. They're trying to read what's going on. And they don't look comfortable out there. And it's understandable. It's understandable because the Narduzzi philosophy is to stop the run first. But when you get gashed through the air as much as they have, and when you emphasize stopping the RPOs because the singular loss in their non-conference schedule was from RPOs and slant-based RPOs, that's what happens. You play tentative, you think about things, and while when you change philosophy midseason, it gets tough. It really does get tough. So I understand what happened. And as coaches, you have to do something to settle in. And I'll talk about what Pitt did. They did get them settled in, the linebackers settled in, made them play at a much higher level, and I think feel things out more and more. But more importantly, Pitt just showcased some really lackadaisical play, penalties, some really odd plays at times. Young plays, I'll say that. The P.J. O'Brien touchdown was a young play. Feast or famine type of play. And, and P.J. O'Brien's a feast or famine player. We'll talk about him as well. Trust me, we will talk about those young players a little bit that got some play time in this game. The pass rush never really got going, though. They were getting out quick on hitches and, and rhythm routes. And that's, you know, outside of fade routes, comebacks and hitches are probably the most commonly seen route on the outside there. 
they just kept running comebacks and hitches, and, and Pitt was playing off and weren't coming up until later in the game and started clamping on them. And it was it was pretty bad. Pitt was just getting beaten pretty much all facets. Um, but they had the goal line stands. It was, you know, they, they forced a turnover. They, they got robbed of one where they didn't even review it. Um, they really got robbed on it. But Pitt got the turnover. They made another stand to the one. It's what you want to do if you're Pitt. So Pitt did a great job of at least bending but not breaking. But still, there were a lot of lackadaisical things that showcased Pitt's inability to 100% become a coach in defense and what could hurt them against Western, uh, what could hurt them against North Carolina and Virginia. All right, let's talk about the positives that come out of this game, what I liked about the adjustments and what I like about some of the young guys we saw in this game. However, folks, first, I want to let you know about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. However, folks, it's also healthy with all the same benefits of every other protein bar. Because if you haven't tried Built Bar for now, trust me, you are missing out. It is a protein bar that is not waxy. It's not chalky. You don't just have to throw it down because it's awful and it doesn't taste normal. No, trust me, this tastes amazing. It has great flavors from coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut, almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia. However, you also have the health benefits. Low carb, low calorie, low fat, low sugar, high in protein, all of them. It's healthy and also tastes great. And this month, Built is coming out with limited flavors every three to four days. So check their website often. I know you don't want to miss that offer on their website. Just just go to Built.com. Use our promo code LOCK15. Again, that's our promo code LOCK15 and get 50% off on your order. You get that 15% off by using that promo code LOCK15. So use that promo code LOCK15 for 50% off at Built.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Let's talk a little bit about these adjustments that Pitt made defensively that I thought were really solid for them, specifically on the personnel side. Now, some of these were injuries, obviously. Hallett got banged up. Camp got hurt. A.J. Woods got hurt. So they had injuries. Um, obviously, Wendell Davis transferring as well changed the kind of complexion of how you would work through the linebacking core. And there were some positive things, I think, Overall, the blitzes are what got Pitt comfortable. You know, Pitt starting to send a lot of blitzes, play a lot of zone behind those blitzes was huge. Cam Bright, I thought, had his best game of the year. And I, I've talked about that star linebacker position multiple times on here over the past few weeks. I said it. Cam Bright was a really good player the past two years for them. This year, he has not been good. That was the old Cam Bright. He was all over the field. Two and a half sacks for him. What a huge day for Cam Bright. He was everywhere. I love seeing Cam Bright play like Cam Bright. And he was really playing like he used to in that game. I hope that's a return to form for Cam Bright because Pitt really needs him to be great down the stretch against teams like UNC, Syracuse, and Virginia. Um, and, and into the postseason as well, if, if they so go that far, especially uh, ACC Championship, NY6, wherever they go, they will need Cam Bright. They will really need Cam Bright to have his best game on, and man, did he have it on on Saturday. You know, those blitzes not only got the linebackers comfortable, and I thought the linebackers played a lot looser uh, as the game went on, I also thought these young safeties played really well. And this was interesting to me because... 
We saw a lot of rotation, and we saw Judson Talendier come in. We saw P.J. O'Brien play a lot. Let me first say this. O'Brien is a blur. I mean, this dude can seriously run. He's fast. He's physical. He's a ball hawk. He wants to make plays. I can tell you that's going to hurt him, and it's going to help him. Eventually, he's a, you know, he's right now, this guy is a freshman, a true frosh. And here's the thing. He could eventually turn into someone that honestly becomes an NFL level player. He has the baseline traits for that. We'll see if he can work on the mental side and become less feast or famine and more feast. But man, he has that feast or famine aspect on that one screen. He came flying down the field and just hit the dude really hard. Obviously, the touchdown is the famine part of that. P.J. O'Brien is a great athlete. You can tell that this guy is a dude who's going to consistently build upon what he does at a high level. And that was really encouraging to me to see what P.J. O'Brien could bring to the table for Pitt. I think, though, overall, more importantly for Pitt, is that when you look at not just O'Brien, but Talendier. Both of them were much better tacklers than Hallett. And that's a, something that is huge. Because I think it showcases that Pitt has options. Or, I don't know how much we're going to see Hallett on Thursday. I assume he'll play a decent amount. But man, Talendier had a nice, nice game as well. So let's, you know, t- Judson Talendier. I thought he was a guy that maybe wasn't completely... The athlete that I thought he was going to be. Not the O'Brien level athlete. But the guy tackled. He's probably the best tackling DB on the team. Aside from maybe Damari Mathis. Marquez Williams is also a pretty good tackler. But Judson Talendier is the best tackling safety I've seen them have. Really good. He was a guy that I think should get more tread. He really, really showed a lot of promise. I thought he was a guy that stepped up in a big way. Um, in the linebacker room, I, I liked what I saw to Bengali Kamara. I thought he was a guy that showcased real athleticism, real sideline to sideline speed. Um, he really looked good at that money position. And I said, as you know, Dennis is going to move more to Mike, they're going to play more and more Bengali Kamara. And Bengali Kamara really stepped up in his first true and blue action at that spot. I thought Chase Pine played well as the game went on. I think Brandon George made a few key run stops. You know, I thought that this team, the new young guys, were really impressive, and they showcased things. MJ Devonshire got a play robbed of him. He should get more play time. If Woods is to miss an extended period of time, I'm completely confident in MJ Devonshire as the third outside cornerback. He's played at a high level. He'll start next year. Assuming Damari Mathis goes to the NFL, I think MJ Devonshire is going to be the guy that starts next year. At the other outside cornerback spot, across from Marquez Williams, he has played at a really high level this year when he's gotten the chance. So these young guys are playing at a high level, and schematically, you could see the blitzes helping them out. You know, the front four started to get a little bit more uh, penetration. The linebackers were flying around. You could see everyone starting to play with confidence. And I think again, we talked about this. I think the blitzes are kind of a lifeline for this defense. This was early in the year, but you kind of see this team just get right into a comfort zone when, they get, when they're allowed to be aggressive and get after the quarterback. And with North Carolina's offensive line as well coming up, a really tricky offensive line that just does not play well, expect Pitt to bring the rush. 
and expect them to try and get after the quarterback because they need to. Sam Howe needs to field them. They need to hit Sam Howe, and they need to make him field them. And they need to tackle at a high level because Sam Howe can break a lot of tackles. In fact, he's second in the ACC in broken tackles, only behind Sean Tucker. That's how elusive Sam Howe is. So he can really shake and bake for a quarterback. That guy is a really talented runner of the football. So don't sleep on Sam Howe as a runner. But Pitt... They're going to have to get after them. I think some of these young guys could factor it into the equation a bit because they did play at a high level. I think if they can get Hallett, you know, in there, but maybe not play him 100% of the snaps, gets Talendier and O'Brien in there a little bit, we will see what they are made of. But I like the optimistic, the optimistic part of me likes the idea that they could have a rotation there and be okay. All right, folks, tomorrow we'll talk more about the offense and kind of the characteristics of that performance, what they'll have to do on Thursday Against North Carolina, we'll also talk about the receiver unit. How did they look without three of their top six receivers? That'll come up again tomorrow on Locked On Pit. So as always, thank you for making Locked On Pit your first listen, but I want you guys to make Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Get all your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes with ACC expert Candice Cooper. It's free and available on all platforms. Make sure to check it out. Folks, as always, thanks for listening, and hail to Pit.